Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and today I'm joined by Mason Thorne and Nicola Hines. Now, um, today is the start of a new kind of format on Cash Talk where we're going to be, you know, diving deep, really focusing on um, certain things that are happening in the world and certain topics that we find very obviously topical, very interesting, and really deep diving uh, into these things. Because when it comes to money, the economy, finance, business, whatever it is, we really want to kind of uncover it all. And um, this is hopefully a new format that you are going to enjoy. Um, and I know that we're looking really, for, really, um, we're really excited to do this as well too. So Mason and Nicola, thanks for jumping on again. How are you guys? Go well, thank you. Thanks for having us on again. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Now, it's really good that we can all share insights. And I think the first thing that, you know, is very important is to appreciate what's going on in the world at the moment. And what I'm more talking about is the economic events and the economic scenarios that are happening at the moment. And we're finding ourselves coming out of COVID-19 and um, there is still supply chain issues that are happening around the world, coupled with the effects that are happening in the Ukraine war. You know, lo and behold, the effects that have happened by this, you know, event that has happened in Turkey as well, too. I'm sure that there's there's issues with with things happening there, which is, you know, Turkey is a main producer of a lot of things as well, too. Um, global tensions are at their, you know, nearly at their highest as well, too. You've obviously got, you know, Russia not in the good books with a lot of different countries. They're got sanctions in many areas. How does the Chinese kind of work in regards to, you know, that Russian scenario? Do they side with the West or are they going to kind of back up the, the Chinese? Chinese are still pushing, you know, their, 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 their importance on expansion as well too, which is causing issues. We've got spy balloons going over the US as well too. So, you know, it doesn't sound like we're in a pretty good place. And economically speaking, um, you know, these are causing issues, but also as markets as well too, there's a lot of volatility that's going on in the world. And the flow on effect that, you know, that's kind of the big picture on the macroeconomic side of it and the global, and the global side of it. But when you look at the microeconomics, you know, this is causing inflation to kind of, you know, go out of control with these supply chain issues and these bottlenecks that are happening. We're finding households being put really under pressure at the moment, especially mortgage holders um, in regards to the interest rate rises that are happening, um, not just in Australia, but obviously around the world. But for the countries that are really highly uh, have high debt levels or how high household debt levels, they're finding these effects that are happening. So, you know, it's a very interesting place that's happening at the moment. And um, it's a fascination of mine. Obviously, I, I love this. I love the international studies kind of style, you know, the geopolitical stuff. I, I love e economics and I've been down some deep rabbit holes and I know that you guys enjoy it as well. But there's a big thing that's on everyone's mind and there's a big thing that's probably on the end of everyone's lips. And um, Mason and Nick, that's probably around the recession that's probably imminent rather than actually you know is it going to happen or not isn't it Mason? yeah it's definitely um 
it's definitely the word of the moment. Um, it's a very loaded word too. A lot of emotions attached to this word. But I think a really great place to sort of start for everyone is what actually is a recession? Mm. So a recession is basically a significant widespread and a prolonged downturn in economic activity. And the common rule of thumb is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. GDP being, of course, gross domestic product, which is the total market value of all the finished goods and services that are produced in a country. So if we're talking about Australia, all the goods and services that are produced in Australia. It's important to note, though, that a recession is very different from a depression. I think sometimes these words get thrown around a lot. A depression is a lot worse. Uh, a depression is basically a state of financial turmoil, um, really long periods of that downturn. So I think a really common example that everyone's probably aware of is the Great Depression, which mm. happened over the 1930s. So mm. a 10-year period where we saw some really, really bad financial times. So mm. we're a long way off that. So if you're hearing people throwing around the word depression, I think we need to take a step mm. back and just maybe just think about recessions for the time being. But mm. I think, John, it's also important to note that this is all part of the economic cycle. Mm. So we think about expansion, peaking, contraction, trough. So mm. up, down, up, down. That's good. It's not good for the podcast format, but think of mm. a, a roller coaster, up mm. and down, up and down. And it's all part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So during expansion, of course, the, the economy is experiencing relatively rapid growth. Mm. Interest rates tend to be low and production increases. And we can, we can all think of COVID when interest rates are really, really low and growth was quite massive in a lot of, lot of key industries. Mm. And then the economy sort of reaches this peak. Um, when growth hits its maximum rate, peak growth typically creates some imbalances in the economy as well that need to be corrected. And as a result, businesses start to reevaluate their budgets and their spending, and they believe the economic cycle has then reached its peak. Mm. This then causes the correction. The correction occurs over a period of time, growth slows down, employment falls, and prices begin to stagnate. During this stage, the economic indicators that were on the upward trajectory during the expansion phase, begin to lessen, begin to fall. And then that's when we hit the trough. Trouble side was the bottom. We hit that low point. Supply and demand scraping the bottom before we then see growth then pick up again. So it's all part of that cycle. So it's important to know that, yes, a recession is a loaded sort of term, but it's, it's something that is going to happen and will happen again. Um, but it's important to note as well that's it's it's just one of these things but Mm. john why exactly is it happening now and why not years ago yeah well this is the thing economic cycles are usual like they're 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 regular if you look back in history they there's like you said there's peaks and there's troughs of what happened and what you got to think about it right now is that we've had absolutely amazing economic prosperity over the last so since the GFC back in 2008, 2009, yeah, so we've had this massive expansion, we've had low cash rates, we've had fueled by debt, fueled by technology and innovation, and we've hit a brick wall when it comes to COVID. And then COVID has kind of had this, from an investment market perspective, it was like a V-shaped recovery, but the economy is a different story to what the markets are doing, yeah? So you're having a different play that's happening. But when you think about a recession like right now, it's essentially going that shit's got out of hand. Yeah. The economy's got out of hand. It's fueled a bit too fast. Yeah. And 
what you can see is the consequences that are happening through these, you know, like we said, these supply chain issues, these um, wars that are happening, is it's just grinding these economic wheels to not move as they should be moving, okay? Now, the problem also you've got is that when things happen and the economy is growing too fast, okay, that's essentially inflation. Now, you've got hyperinflation, which is a simple word as like going really fast, yeah? Or you've got inflation, which is hopefully trying to be, especially in Australia, between kind of that 2 to 4% kind of range, yeah? That's kind of the consensus around where inflation should be manageably growing at, okay? But like anything, if it goes too fast, yeah, it gets very risky. And what happens is, is that the cost of living comes out of control and then people can't afford it. So this is exactly what's happened. You've had 2008 run up, low, you know, low interest rates, you know, fueling the economy to kind of kick back off again, globalization, innovation, and these things steaming ahead and then hits a brick wall. All of a sudden, things start coming to a grinding hole and things start to contract. And this is what you talk about a recession. Like Mason said, it's simply the contraction of the economy slowing down, okay? Now, why is it, why is it happening now was simply that, but there's also another thing to where this should have actually happened. Well, I'm going to say to you that in, in economics, recessions are actually a good thing, okay? They're actually a reset. If we just had inflation and growth consistently, talk about the bright price of bread going up from when I was around, you know, from 10 cents to, you know, five bucks, it'll probably be 10 bucks. And then wages have to increase. And then the distribution of wealth between the wealthy and the poor becomes worse. So unfortunately, recessions are needed to happen yeah and you've just got to prepare for them and be and be mindful of that so um i feel for people okay i feel for the people that you know aren't maybe in the seat and don't have really the economic understanding of what's going on and then the impacts that has on their personal finances which you know is a big thing that we you know i, I want to kind of go down in regards to you know their personal finances side of things and and Nick, just a quick one in regards to like the personal finances. Um, there's a few things that are affecting people and we're not just talking about their, what's on their balance sheet or what's on their, you know, their bank statements. There's a lot more that they're kind of having to battle through when we're talking about recessions, isn't it? hundred percent. Yeah. I think like just firstly, like, yeah, the word recession really evokes a lot of like fear and stress among people. Um, especially when they don't feel like it's a normal thing, even though that we know and we like zoom out and see the bigger picture, it is something that has to happen from time to time. Um, and so it is interesting, I guess, looking at there's been data that's come out with ABS around like 44% of Australians um, experience financial stress and one in four reporting that it's moderate to severe levels of stress. Um, and I guess at the moment, this is probably mainly linked to debt and just the increase in interest rates and how that is impacting people's cash flow but then I guess secondary to that is that you know that kind of fear that's in the back of people's minds of like if unemployment does rise a little bit um you know are they going to lose their job are they going to be living paycheck to paycheck um and you know also impacts business owners if they can't 
charge their clients more because clients can't afford it, but then they've still got bills to pay. They've still got suppliers to pay. And yeah, the emotional stress does take its toll. Even if you're not personally going through it, like knowing that perhaps your family or friends are going through it um, is really difficult. And, and, and Nick, it, it's, it is, a, there's a lot of emotion that happens during economic cycles and especially in times like this. Like I think the, the mental stress and the emotions that happen at this point in time cause also people to make very illogical decisions, yeah? So, you know, not be thinking, they're feeling and they're making those decisions, which as we all know, um, you know, Mason and Nick, because we work with clients every day, the biggest problem when it comes to getting to future goals and aspirations and achieving them is the, is the emotional mistakes they make with their money. So first and all, being understanding that your emotions are at their highest, usually during a recessional time, is huge. And we're not just talking about investments like we talked about before, or like Nick talked about before. This is business owners as well. You know, do I charge more? But if I charge more, they're not going to be able to afford it. You know, we, they need to think of practical solutions to be able to do that. And I think it's very interesting that stat where you were talking about 44% of Australians reporting financial stress. I wonder when that data was captured. You know, was that in economic prosperity? Yeah. You, know, you know, if you think about it, like we've had a pretty good run, especially in Australia for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see what that number is. And I think from my small data set that, you know, the people I see and the people I speak about, you know, finance is, uh, you know, now a very strong topic at the dinner table, um, which means that people are concerned about it. There's obviously a lot that are really excited about it. And that means that they've put themselves in a really good financial position. What was more concerning for me is, um, you know, the people that have not been guided through this and, and some of the decisions they could possibly be making. And this emotional toll is huge. Um, before I, we keep going into, into recession, Nick, it's very important for people to know that there are, if they are finding themselves in this scenario, obviously they can go see a professional financial advisor to help them work through that. But is there any other resources that people can do if they find themselves maybe in a pickle where, you know, let's be honest, they can't afford advice or, you know, they feel yeah. this spiraling out of control, especially from an emotional one. And, you know, they might be punching on as a, you know, not literally punching on, but having an argument between a couple or, you know, someone is really depressed about it. What do they do? Like, what's the, is there any resources or areas we can point them in? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the main one's probably financial counsellors who can't give advice on things like, I guess, specific super or investment or anything like that, but they can really help out with like managing your bills and debt and also help you kind of negotiate if, if you are getting to that state where like you really do need help with say landlord or utilities, etc. Um, and also put you in touch with the right people like if you do need legal assistance or something like that. Um, and yeah, I think finances really do impact people's mental health a lot. It's a, like a persistent form of stress. And yeah, I'd encourage people to like, you know, really try and take care of their mental health during this time. Um, you know, reaching out to like Beyond Blue Life Lifeline um, because it can become quite crippling. And I think it is important to kind of control what you can control in terms of, you know, not be reading the news like multiple times a day, not like doom scrolling on Reddit where like everyone's just putting negative comment after negative comment, like still be taking care of yourself 
doing what you can Mm -hmm. um and just have the things that you know you can control under control like having your emergency fund knowing what things you can cut from your cash flow like know what your optionals are where your discretionary spending is um is all really important in terms of feeling prepared and when you feel prepared like that is does lower your emotional stress yeah, it's absolute great tips there. And I think, you know, one of the things is around taking care of yourself and obviously having a bit of a plan and a game plan to get get out of that. And that's where the third parties can maybe come in to, you know, do that. But I think more most kind of important thing is to be aware of it and then like talk about it and then start to build and don't avoid it. Yeah. Um, the more you kick it down the road, the worse it becomes. And, you know, no one's going to help you ultimately besides yourself. Um but Mason, there is an econo- an emotional toll and some stress that happens for people that are in recessional times. But, you know, let's see, flip to the other side of things because there's there's a bit of excitement and opportunity as well too that you find yourself in as well too. Um, I know in business, one of the big things that I, you know, teach other businesses and talk to business owners about is around, guess what? Your competition are feeling the same thing, yeah? And so, you know, when there's less competition, you've got opportunities to jump on. But, you know, specifically when you're talking about wealth creation, this is also potentially a very, very exciting time. And I know for me, these are the these are the events that I wait for. 100%. That's, that, that is the other side of the coin. And like, as we discussed before, not everyone is in that position to take advantage of these things. But I think it's really important that if you are in a position to take advantage, that you get yourself ready to do, to do so. With markets contracting and things, that means things become on a discount. Mm. Think about the property market cooling. Interest rates going up typically leads to property prices going down. We're seeing that. So if you're in the market for a for a property, whether that's your first home or an investment property, mm. yeah, it's this year's gonna be better than last year, isn't it? If the prices are lower. So yeah. it's a really, really great time if you have the opportunity to yeah, pull the trigger and make sure, make sure you're also not trying to time the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. Like we know. I think a lot of people, we have these conversations all the time, where it's, oh, the market's going to be probably at its worst at the end of this year. Maybe, but maybe it's the worst right now. We don't know. You, so might, have everyone sitting on the, you might have everyone sitting on the sidelines with cash ready to go and then increases demand and then all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, prices go mm-hmm. up. Like, yeah, it's, it, you're flaunting with danger when you're, um, when you're trying to type the market. Exactly right. So I think when you can pull the trigger, you should pull the trigger as long as it aligns with your goals long term and you've thought made an educated decision. Because as we said before, mm-hmm. emotions are high right now, and unfortunately, emotions don't always lead to the best of decisions, particularly around money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very important that you do make an educated decision and have that third party to just bounce mm-hmm. ideas off and even just to vent to sometimes. I think as well. It's it's sad this this what I'm about to say um, because I feel like for both sets of the camp, it's like the famous quote from Warren Buffett, which is be be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. And this distribution of wealth in regards to the rich and the, the poor, it gets bigger in recessional times. Yeah, because the rich know that. They know to be greedy when people are fearful. It's like if someone's going to sell a house in, in the middle of, say, a recession and the prices are down, they're fearing, they're making that decision on emotion, their cash flow and their systems might be completely fine, but their emotion again, and the human brain says, just stop the pain, stop the pain, just get it out. Logical thinking, wealth creation ninja, sitting on the sidelines goes, perfect time to pounce. Yeah, perfect time to pounce. 
So just be understanding of, yes, there's two sides of the coin when it comes to emotions, yeah? And also for the person that's really optimistic, be mindful of your, conf your, 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 um, your, I would call it confidence bias. Yeah. Where you are overconfident in, in your decisions. You think that your ninja skills are better than, you know, they really are. Be humble, be grounded, stick to a plan and just execute on it based on logical. Now going back one step, a lot of people that I've been hearing and especially the news have been obviously keeping on the on the tip of their tongue RBA governments RBA governments what can they do to step in you know people are really hurting at the moment in regards to households in Australia not like I said just in Australia this this as around the world this is this is um, the case as well too um and obviously, especially in the society that we're in at the moment, we do lean to the government to try and help us. And, and the government does have a role in this. But Mason, I might just flick over to you. Yeah, obviously, one of the big things that's been happening at the moment is with this inflation, which a lot of people have said this inflationary thing that is the that is is causing the recession to happen. So the higher the, the inflation goes, the bigger the imminent recession is going to going to be. Okay. What's the government or the government bodies? Yeah, what are they doing to do this? And what's what what's what's going on? Like, why is it or why is it on the end of everyone's tongue? Yes, I think the the one that everyone probably knows mostly about is the RBA using monetary policy at the moment to and they're increasing rates to try to curb some discretionary spending um, of of Australians. Um, so if we if our home loans cost more for us to keep. We have less money to spend on things like going out, clothes, things like this, mm -hmm. which is causing inflation to rise. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if we keep raising these rates, mm -hmm. hopefully, in theory, inflation will come down. So that's what they're trying to do. So the, uh, so the, so the RBA's role, like Mason said, is to essentially try and get this inflation under control. And one of their levers is to use the cash rate yeah, to kind of increase, to bring the cash rate down to, to slow spending and to contract the economy. And then there'll be times where they kind of drop interest rates like they did in the COVID scenario and, and GFC before that and so on and so forth to stimulate the economy, okay? So that's the RBA when it comes to kind of their main role. They do have other roles that they need to be mindful of. One of the ones is unemployment. And I know, Nick, we're seeing some unemployment happening around the world, aren't we? Some layoffs. Yeah, for sure. Definitely more in America at the moment. Like we haven't seen too big of a rise in australia but yeah it would be interesting to see what happens sort of over the next i guess 12 months um to do with that i mean unemployment is still at like the lowest levels it's been probably in the past 30 years so mm -hmm. we are in a good position i think mm -hmm. on the whole um but i guess for people that don't know it might be interesting to just quickly touch on like why like how in inflation does impact unemployment yeah so essentially when inflation is riding high things are costing more yeah now that people say that if inflation's happening you're in economic prosperity that's cool but there's a breaking point okay and that's the problem that's happening at the moment is what's the breaking point now the problem as well too is people go all right well then just link wages to inflation 
and everyone's fine. But there's still a breaking point. Yeah, there's still people that get paid more than others, the distribution of wealth. And this is why inflation causes the problem because let's take this really like worst case scenario. So a group of Australians continue to earn with inflation and a group of Australians don't keep up with inflation. And you've got these two groups that are getting further and further apart. They go to Coles to go buy bread. Person that's keeping up with inflation, pff, sweet. Yeah, just beep, done, get the bread, walk away. Other person's left without bread. They literally can't afford, yeah? And in a country like Australia, we don't want that to happen. We want an even distribution of what's going on. And what happens is, is that inflation essentially obliterates the middle class, which Australia is known about, and obviously detrimentally affects the poor in regards to the cost of living that's associated with inflation. Because remember, inflation is essentially the growth in the economy. Also, okay, more importantly, the more key trigger is it's the cost of living rising. Okay. Right, that's the most important one because you can have a you can have a thriving economic kind of society, yeah. Um, but it's that cost of living that's the killer. Yeah, it's the cost of living. And the, and, and the governments are, they know about this. They're not not about this in regards to you know when they were aware and the actions they take you know there's some things that they may have that should have done better but you know hindsight's another thing what has really been of interest to me though is though the rba came out in 2000 and i'm going to go 2021 yeah maybe 2020, I'm not sure. It might be 2020, just between them. It was in the middle of COVID anyway, yeah? And RBA came out and essentially said to all Australians in a statement that we don't envision that the cash rate is going to increase to 2024. Layman's terms, inflation's not going anywhere, yeah? Therefore, we don't need to increase the cash rate, go off and spend and make the economy thrive again. Now, as we're recording this in... February 2023, we've pretty much had like, besides the, the break in January, we've pretty much had the cash rate increasing since the since that um, the 0 0.10 since May 2022. So they've gone totally against their forward guidance, which I absolutely hate. Um, I don't think that there's this forward guidance, I think in short-term optimism, which is good, yeah. But in regards to making a statement so far in advance and to be caught so far off, I don't know if the government governor of the RBA is going to keep his job. I don't even know if the, the board that's selected should keep their job. Yeah, because it's it's not good. I think the other thing is to note, though, is that a lot of people as well, too, are thinking about the actual government. So just so you know, the RBA is like an independent body that's separate to the government. Okay. The other thing is around like what the government is actually doing to combat this stuff. And to also, if there is a recession, which is sounding more imminent than anything, if it's shallow recession or a deep recession or a depression, we can get into that. But what can they do? So just so you understand, we have a pretty good system because we've got different departments that can do different things to get things kicking off. Okay. And the first one is actually APRA. Okay. So the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, APRA, okay, they essentially govern 
the lending, not all of the lending, there's this, but mainly the lending side of things. So they could effectively, if they wanted to kind of stimulate things again, they could make it easier for people to lend. Now, at the moment, the, pre, the problem we've got at the moment is rates are going up. People can't service them because they're on these, you know, really low rates when they got them. Banks even probably did their things on the forward guidance of the RBA and they find themselves handcuffed in this kind of loan scenario. Now, one of the banks recently just uh, announced, for example, a 35-year loan in Australia. Now, I'm not talking about that I tell people to go get 35-year loans, please. That's not what I'm saying. But APRA could come out, for example, and say, we're going to be able to increase the loan terms on, on, on loans for an additional 10 years without having to reassess their, their loan application. They could do that, yeah. They could... That would essentially allow your repayments to drop, yeah, allowing you to breathe a little bit more and actually, you know, spend on stuff again, okay? Um, they could make assessment rates in the back of lending. They could make it so rather than it being, say, 3% up the current rate, it only needs to be 1% because they believe that, you know, it's at its peak. So they can utilize tools to be able to stimulate on that side. You know, the other department, which is a big one, is the ACCC, yeah? They could encourage, you know, competition. They're all about, like, you know, they're um, about competition and, you know, increasing it so that, you know, it drives down costs and stuff like that. So, you know, ACCC could, could step in, okay? Obviously, there's the RBA. And then the big one, which I've kind of left to the end, is the actual government themselves. They've got this thing called the fiscal policy. Now, people know the fiscal policy mainly around budget time, okay? where they go in and they say, where are we going to spend the money? Now, you'll find in recessional times, and it's very interesting on another point, and this is about the tax changes that are coming next year. They could, imagine we were in a recessional time, yeah? And they go out and they say, anyone who's under the... Uh, taxable income of $80,000 is going to get a $8,000 tax refund at the end of the year. They could do that. They're costing mozzas, yeah, to do it, but they could do that, yeah. They could waive certain levies that are on certain things, yeah, to, to free up. So there's there's systems in our govern, government or, or our controlling bodies that allow that to happen to stimulate that, yeah. The other one is around jobs, which is a big one. So you've, you've heard us talk about unemployment as well too. Government could step in. They could say, listen, you know, all of those infrastructure stuff that we've always wanted to do, let's go, let's do something, build our roads, do that. Now, there's a fascination around fiscal policy about always being in the black, okay? So you may hear around budget, it's like we're, we're hell-bent on getting back into the surplus. We're hell-bent about getting back into the surplus. I can honestly tell you, I could not give two hoots if they're in the surplus or not. It's not a profit-making business, yeah? It's a service-based business, yeah, which is about serving the community. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want it to be spiraling out of control, but if they're doing, if they're using funds to get the country back into the position it needs to be, go do it, Yeah. How many households do you know that 
lend money and borrow money to go do certain things. Um, sometimes I wish I'm on the government's decision-making in regards to their investment decisions, but they can do certain things to get things back under control. Now, what is very interesting, though, is that the government is very staying very quiet, very quiet to what's going on. They're kind of letting the RBA take all the heat. They can also contract as well things if they wanted to. Okay, And it's the combination between monetary policy and fiscal policy that actually works for great economic activity. You know, you don't want to be seeing what sometimes is happening in the US, yeah? Um, the Federal Reserve is trying to cut rates and Biden, the Biden administration is trying to implement an inflation, what is it? The Inflation um, Something Protection Act, okay? Uh, where essentially they're trying to allow people to not feel the pain so much. So you've got one government body trying to contract the economy and you've got one trying to stimulate it at the same time. You know, you want to be both singing from the same song sheet. So though the government is being quiet, they're letting the RBA do what they want to do. It could be worse where they're fighting against the RBA and all of a sudden you've got this inflation spiraling out of control and then making this, kicking down the road of this imminent recession happen worse and worse and worse and worse. So as the RBA is saying at the moment, there is a small chance that they can kind of get out without having a recession, but this is the levers that they can kind of pull on. Now, Mason, there is some tax changes happening next year, which I just wanted to speak about a little bit. And tax changes are really around capping out some of the some of the tax rates um, to make it a little bit more favourable, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So we're looking at pretty much at 30% 30, 30 tax rate for most Australians, which is going to be fantastic for, for those earning that kind of money, which means more after-tax income. Mm -hmm. But again, if we've got more after-tax income, we've got more money to spend. So it sort of goes, as we were saying before, it goes against what the RBA is sort of doing, trying to keep mm. inflation under control. If we've got more money, we're going to spend more money, just sort of how it sort of works. Mm. And we saw in the UK, a very similar thing happened. They announced a tax tax cut and the whole pension system nearly collapsed. So they reversed the decision within days. Mm. Um, so it's it's a fine line. Like the government, it's it's a tricky one because the government is ultimately, they, they need votes to stay in power. Mm. They want to stay in power. So they're conflicted because they want to keep votes, mm -hmm. but also they need to make sure what what's happening in the country is best for the country, not just short term, but long term. I think we lose sight of that sometimes as well. Yeah, and I, and, I, and that's what I'm, I'm that's what I'm hoping that the government's not doing. They're not being the scared little boy that's not willing to go, come against you know the bully. And the bully at the moment is inflation and the cost of living, and they're letting their bigger brother sort it out for them, which is the RBA. Um, you know, I hope that's not the case, but. This tax rate in Australia, I think in the UK is different. Timing was an issue. Yeah. So their one came at the like the peak of inflation. Yeah. Whereas the one that's coming in for us, we might be on the tail end of it. So, you know, they might be staying quiet, not making any rash decisions, seeing what the landscape happens. You know, if you're if you're in a in a recession or imminent recession, if the if the economy's sliding down, not sliding up, yeah those tax cuts and those tax changes might be coming in like the white knight saving the day. So, you know, I can see why they're wait, waiting things off. And they are all just proposed at this at this stage. There's no kind of, nothing set in stone. It's what, mid-2025. 
potentially it will happen. We don't know it's going to happen. So I think, yeah, they'll probably wait. I think, I think the decision happens. needs to be made next year, though, Nick. Mm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how, that's that's the go. And I might be wrong about that, Mason. I think that I think it goes into, like, it, it's, it's proposed for the 2025 financial year. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it needs to, or will be in the 2025 financial year by July next year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it would need to happen beforehand, Nick. Yeah, so they'll, they'll okay. be having they'll be having to make a decision. I, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I stand to be corrected. I'm not all over um, as much as some others, but I would imagine it would need to be pretty much close enough to settle to to allow for that to be legislated for that financial year. Uh, but who knows? They might use a UK precedent and kind of do a backflip. Um. Now. A lot of talk about what's going on in the world economically, recessional, households. We talked about the emotional tolls and how the emotions plays better over. But now I really think it's really important that for all of you that are listening and even watching, um, that we leave you with some practical solutions about helping you to navigate through these times and potentially through recessional times as well too. Now, Nick, what's the first step that you probably or the first tip that you tell everyone to do before you know if they, they're like yep that's it i'm changing my ways bang i'm gonna go you know nail this what, what's the first thing you think they do mm. well i guess you kind of want to start doing this as soon as you can like not necessarily waiting for a recession to happen um but yeah we have like our wealth scorecard available on the afa website um put the link perhaps in the show notes um it's just a really good spot to kind of check in where you're at I actually did one yesterday and yeah just all of the kind of areas of your finances checking in on whether it's easy to kind of just think of like you know what's coming in coming out and your debt but um there's quite a few different areas um and yeah just helps you stay prepared I guess in terms of highlighting those key areas and maybe making you realize you might need to reach out to someone who can help you with that so a personal, uh, essentially, yeah, a, a personal finance, it's financial health check and audit, doesn't really want to call it. It's kind of a list of where things need attention. It's probably something good to be doing, like, you know, every six months, just put it in your calendar as a recurring event and just like go through, check it off. Um, so that then when these kind of situations do arise, where we go into recession, which, you know, inevitably are going to happen over people's lifetimes, you are as prepared as you can be. What's next, Mason? After you have a after after they've done their check, what do you reckon's what do you reckon's next up for for everyone? You know, it's a good question. Like, there's so many there's so many different things you can sort of pull on as well, which is a very fortunate thing. But I think first and foremost, you need to realize that whether a recession happens or not, you can't control that. Mm. It's totally uncontrollable. I can't stop it. John, you can't stop it. And Nick, mm-hmm. you can't stop it either. Mm. No one can. So you control what you can control. So when it comes to the financial house, if you see that your budget maybe is a little bit in a deficit, mm. need to reduce some of that spending, maybe mm. need to increase income somehow. Um, mm. And we've, also we talk about recessions, can, unemployment can increase during a recession. Mm. So increasing income for some people might seem a bit far-fetched, but mm. there are ways. Um, mm. Maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's selling some things you no longer need. Like these little things, they can all add up and can all really, really help. Um, but I think the big one at the moment, and I'm a bit of the fun police, but it's reducing that discretionary spending at the moment. Mm. Um, 
that unfortunately I don't think we can afford to go out multiple times a week like we probably did during COVID with Uber Eats. They they made a killing during mm. during COVID. Like everyone's getting food delivered because it was the one thing we could do. But unfortunately, that habit has continued on even though we can still go out now. Mm. Um, so I think instead of three times a week, maybe it's once a week. Like it's, it's these little changes you can make that make a massive difference down the line. But as we always say expenses can only be reduced so far we still need to eat you can't just stop eating um yeah so it's you can reduce expenses so far but if you if you have a lean and agile budget you're going to go a long way um mm. when, it, when and, it, and it creates that it creates that you know making sure that you're you're telling your money what to do and also just spending on what you need to spend and i think that's a big one and some great tips around you know creating diverse levels of income you know, you don't want to be just focusing on one and becoming dependent on it, especially when unemployment is rising. If you can have multiple streams, have multiple different options, you know, very, very important at the moment. I think investments-wise is probably another thing as well too. You know, when it comes to the investments, there's techniques that we use and we use them as financial advisors regardless of the scenario. And so what I mean by that is that in economic prosperity and, and when markets are thriving, when there's economic turmoil and maybe markets are not doing so well, there's a few ones that we do, but I think we want to remind you of these. And Nick, they're pretty common ones. I'll probably just lean on for you for that because you know you probably even know what I'm talking about here. So what are they? Yeah, 100%. I guess you already touched on diversification. You know, that's kind of like one of the basics of investing. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket because you never know which asset class is going to do well um, in which year. Um, Diversifying income and you're diversifying assets, yeah? To hear the the gist of it, yeah? It's around diversification, yeah? Yeah. And then in terms of the risk side of things, you know, I guess when um, investment markets are going up, generally what happens is, your growth assets become a higher proportion of your portfolio. So let's say you've got 50% growth, 50% defensive. Um, When markets are rising, you have end up having more growth assets. And it's really important to be rebalancing on a regular basis because often it ends up, you know, you're taking on more risk than perhaps what you're comfortable with. So then when markets do have a downturn, that drop is going to be greater. And I think it is a kind of misconception that people fall into because when things are going good, you just tend to think of the recent events and think things are just going to keep going up forever in a day. And it's really not the case. So I think that is, um, you know, really important in terms of checking in on your investment portfolio and rebalancing regularly as boring as it sounds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's boring, but it works. Yeah. That's the thing. It's boring, but it works. And, you know, it's a matter about consistently doing this. And and Mason, we talk, and obviously what Nicola said, this is even in our economic prosperity times, like those strategies that we talk about and those things that you need to think about. We do that then too, don't we? We do. I, it's, it's funny, like our job doesn't really change depending on what the economy is doing. We keep mm. doing the same things. When during, as Nick said, we during good times, we think it's going to continue. It's going to keep going up and up and up. So it's about managing those expectations, rebalancing so we're not overweighting those growth stocks for when that peak does come, because it will come. As we discussed, the economic cycle does happen. The peak will come. Rebalancing that regularly, making sure we're not overexposed to equities. And on the flip side, on the downside, making sure we're not underexposed to equities on the on the growth, on the on the recovery. 
So it's just rebalancing, regular rebalance. Um, in saying that though, it's not, I don't think it's wise to rebalance every week or anything like that. You don't need to go overboard when it comes to a rebalance. You've got to let the markets do their thing. But even just a, a quarterly, half yearly rebalance, and definitely at least annually. Like I think annually is probably not often enough, but at least annually. Um, and you want to just check it, everyone. It's not about like having to do it. Like, and I would say that there's always like tolerances that 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 you probably need to know. Like, you probably won't want to rebalance if your assets aren't out of line. And what we say out of line, we're talking about the target asset allocation to reach your goals and aspirations by 2%. Like if your assets are out by 2%, you, you probably, are, it's probably more damage moving them, yeah, and adjusting them than it is. But if you find yourself like in a COVID scenario where I found my property portfolio in regards to my asset allocation, I was probably around you know, real market, around 15 to 20% off where my portfolio needed to be at that position, I had to act, yeah? The strategy says that I need to act. And this can happen on the way up, yeah? So if you've got streaming markets, stock markets thriving, you might find yourself 20% on the way up, yeah? Well, that's when you might pull the trigger. But the more, the most important thing is to get into the habit of looking at it, yeah? And that's what you've got to do. And this is where all of these kind of come in. Um, and I think even Benjamin Graham says about, uh, in The Intelligent Investor, the book, if you haven't read it and you want to go deep down the rabbit hole of, of investing, that's probably the book. Um, I've had a few people attempt it. They got through the first paragraph or the first couple of chapters and then they just stop because it just gets so... I have a I have a um, professional crush on the man. Um, he's an absolute brain. Um, but yeah, I think he says I think he says once to twice a year is when you need to be looking at it. Yeah, um, and for people that don't know, he was the mentor of Warren Buffett, so he knows he knows a few things about being a successful investor. Um, another big part of this is around debt. And a lot of people are looking at their cash flow, looking at their investments. Investments for most people that have the emotions driving out of control, they kind of forget about them. That sometimes makes bad decisions. But it's all really in a, in a like a inflationary kind of interest rates going up, implement in recession before it kind of comes off the other end. It's really around debt, yeah. And Mason, what's some tips that you can get? you know, obligations in regards to your debt repayments are going up. What's maybe some tips that people can think about, some useful, handy kind of, you know, ways to kind of navigate through this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, debt's a huge one at this point in time. When With rates rising, all that across the board, it's important to know what exactly you're repaying things. So I think lining up all your debts, and a good way I like to do it, line them up, pay the highest interest rate first, Considering that after tax costs, though, because as we know, investment properties usually have a higher rate, but there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. Pay higher interest rate first and then pay them down. So you pay that debt off, then you keep moving down because that's going to that's going to save you the most money over the long term. That's known as a debt avalanche strategy. But you might have also heard of a debt snowball strategy. So that's basically paying off the smallest debts first and building a bit of momentum, gaining that snowball effect. While debt avalanche mathematically works out better, the debt snowball helps you build momentum and it's about knowing your mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you think, oh, I need to, I need some early wins, then debt snowballs for you. Either way, you're, if you're paying off debt, fantastic. I, I'm all for it. Um, but I think another thing as well is just to just to speak to your lender. 
and try to see if you can negotiate a lower rate. It's a very common strategy, but it often does work because they got the banks and the lenders don't want to lose you with the customer. Mm. So just pick up the phone. Worst case scenario, they say no. And just, mm. and then you look and then maybe you speak to your broker. Maybe a refinance is something you can look at. Um, have a chat. Um, doesn't doesn't hurt to have a chat. Great tips, everyone. And hopefully all the viewers and listeners got a lot out of that. Um, Nick, before we wrap up, is there any final comments you want to make in regards to the potential strategies they need to be looking at? Um, for me, you know, I think I can talk about this uh, a lot. I think in regards to business owners, there's a lot of strategies that you can you can do to become more efficient, you know, really tra- trim down your business, look at being profitable, same kind of things, diversify your income um, and your income streams. And for businesses, don't be lazy. Um, it's not the time. Yeah, go out there, absolutely smash it. Um, competition is feeling what you're feeling. So if you can step it up, you know, you're going to smash it. But besides business owners, personal finances, Nick, is there any other tips that you 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 want to you wanna give? Um, I think you've pretty much covered it off on it all, but I guess I do think it's important to like talk about it or like have someone you can open up about it with. Like we do find a lot of the time, say with like couples, like after talk, like talking to a financial advisor, we're really the only person that they've talked about it other than between themselves. And I think, I think, you know, it is improving in terms of um, people talking more about their finances, but yeah, if you, if, if you are under financial stress, like, opening up to like a friend or family member about it is really important. Um, Really, really great tip. I think it's, I think um, regardless of the position you find yourself in, if you're thriving, if you're not doing well, if the economic turmoil or prosperity, whatever the hell it is, I think talking about your finances more is very important. And obviously getting a sounding board outside of the household to, to, you know, to help as well too. So Mason, there's been a lot that we've discussed today and I've really enjoyed this new format of being able to go really deep into, you know, what's going on in the world, especially around the recessions and obviously what they mean and, and the effects and some useful strategies that people can use. But, you know, what were your, some of your key takeaways from, from today that, you know, maybe you just want to remind people of? Yeah, no, I think there's a few really good key ones that we've gone over today. I think the first one I'd like to rehash over is recession is not always a bad thing. Uh, and it's not bad for everyone as well. So I think this negative connotation that sort of carries, mm-hmm. I think we need to reframe our mindset around that um, and think of how it could potentially benefit you because there's there's ways. Um, and the other one for me is just control of controllables. Like you can't control what the Chinese are going to do and bring Australian resources across them. You can't control that. Um, you can't control what's happening in the US. You can't control what the monetary policy is going to be. You can't control what the RBA is going to do. But what you can control is your budget, your cash flow, what you're doing, all this type of stuff. That's what you can control and that's what you need to focus on. Right, it's well said. I think uh, I think uh, that was spot on. I think, Nick, uh, there's probably no more to add to that. He, he, he absolutely smashed it and some really good takeaways. Summed it up pretty well. <laughs> that's it. Well, everyone, hopefully you've enjoyed today's session. Um, there's been a lot of gems uh, for you to take away and I've really enjoyed this uh, new format, really diving deep into this. But if you know anyone else that would value from listening to these conversations or, or whatnot, please feel free to share these uh, to others. There's a lot of people that need some guidance and need some you know, insights. And this is what we're trying to do from, from this format as well too. And you know, if you want to follow us or you want to check check us out, um, go onto our website. It's www.afagroupwealth.com.au. Um, you can 
check us on most of all of our Instagram pages as well too, which will be on the bottom of the link of the podcast as well too. But really enjoy this one, guys. And thanks very much for jumping on. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.